Wisco Sports Show is on the air, 580 AM, 96.7 FM, or streaming live at com. I am your host, Grant Bills, and however you are listening, hope you are having a fantastic Friday, had a good week, looking forward to a great weekend, all that stuff. Brewers were off last night, so we kind of had our options open, right? We could have enjoyed, I, I kind of enjoyed a couple different things. I uh, I watched a little bit of the Eagles-Browns game, preseason game last night. Thought it might be fun to see Nick Foles, see Baker Mayfield, Tyrod Taylor, who hurt his wrist but was able to come back. So we got to see a little bit more of Baker Mayfield with the ones, which was kind of fun. Uh, also, a lot of local action last night. Eau Claire Memorial and Eau Claire North were both in town, taking on Lacrosse. Central and Lacrosse Logan, respectively, did not go so well for the visitors from the North. Uh, I, I can say I was working the Eau Claire North Logan game that finished in a forty-nine to zero blowout. I don't remember the exact score of the game between Memorial and Central, but there was running clock, so that tells you all you need to know. Lacrosse take cares uh, took care of business last night. Holman losing to my alma mater, my hometown, Menominee. Coach Labuda, as we've talked about on. Uh, on mornings with Dave and Scrady because Scrady loves to talk high school football, college football as well. Coach Labuda from Menominee getting his 300th career win down here in the Cooley region last night because a lot of games, remember, were moved to last night um, from tonight as it looks like we're going to have some storms in the area. Or that was the plan. Haven't seen a window in a while. It could be it could be tornadoing outside. I'd have no clue. But supposed to get some weather tonight. So a lot of action last night. Remember, the Brewers were off last night, and tonight is just a jam-packed night of sports all around. The Packers play their third preseason game against the Raiders. Kickoff is after 9 o'clock here on WKTY, which means the Brewers are over on our sister station, WIZM, 1410 AM, 92.3 FM, if you want to uh, ignore the Packers preseason action and check out the Brewers as they chase a wildcard spot or a division title. Uh, Cubs walked it off earlier today against the 10th, just within the last hour, in the 10th, against the Cincinnati Reds. Bodie hit a uh, another Another walk-off. This one wasn't a grand slam. I believe I'm pronouncing that right, Bodie. Uh, the, the reason that I'm not 100% sure is the MLB Players Weekend got underway today, and we're going to talk about that coming up. I find it, uh, I have a strong opinion. Let's leave it there, and uh, and you can know more as the show unravels. If you'd like to chime in on anything, 608-796-2558 is the number to do so, the five-star telecom talk and text line. By call or by text, either way you get in. You can also contact me on Twitter at keystrokergrant. Or contact us on Twitter at WKTY. Either way, I'm going to see it and we'll talk about it. I want to start with the Brewers today. A couple of different things happened. There was no game yesterday to talk about, but some content nonetheless. So the Brewers, what we heard was, not from the horse's mouth, not from David Stearns. He refused to uh, to give up this information. But heard from the horse's mouth, uh, not from the horse's mouth, that the Brewers were the team to put in the waiver claim on Matt Harvey. From the Cincinnati Reds. So if you don't know how waivers work, they're pretty complicated. It's not just the team who who pulls pulls the waiver gets the gets the player. Reading about it earlier today, it's very complicated. I don't want to get into it because to be completely honest, I'm not 100 percent versed in it. But there's a couple things. So the Reds had a couple options. They place him on waivers. They're not forced to do anything. They can do a couple things. They can place him on waivers. If a team claims him, they can do one of three things. They can trade him, which is what the Brewers were assumingly trying to do, even though David Stearns wouldn't come out and directly admit it. Could trade him. They could release him outright. And then the Brewers could obviously bring him in. Or they could pull him off waivers. 
So it, it's a pretty harmless act for the Reds to do. They put them on waivers, they get a claim, and maybe the Brewers come out and they offer the farm for Matt Harvey. And the Reds are like, well, here we go. We're getting a huge haul, getting rid of a pitcher in a season that doesn't mean anything. Anyways, and if they don't get an offer they like, they can pull him back. Or if Matt Harvey is such a cancer, even if no one claims him, they can drop him anyways. So the Reds really have all the power in this situation, all the flexibility by placing Matt Harvey on waivers. Didn't end up working. Now, what we learned was, once again, not from David Stearns, but that it really wasn't up to David Stearns. The decision actually came from the Reds' owner, saying we want to make him part of the team in the future. We want to maybe try to sign him this offseason. So it didn't come down to David Stearns. I was not happy. I know a lot of Brewers fans that I talked to were not happy as well. I wanted Matt Harvey. (laughs) Very bad. I think the Brewers need another capable arm. Doesn't have to be a world beater. But once again, we've seen this narrative in terms of picking up starting pitchers be completely misstrewed and just bent from what the original goal is from bringing in a starting pitcher. What we've heard from Brewers fans and media all season long is, well, who's out there that's better? Who are you going to take out of the rotation if you bring in a guy like Lance Lynn or J.A. Happ? If you bring that guy in, who's, who's leaving the rotation? I don't know. But the rotation's not that good. We can, we can find a place for him. Trust me. There's room. Uh, he's not that good. And it was the same with Matt Harvey. Well, he's no... The reaction today I saw was Brewer, from Brewers fans was, he's not that good. We don't need him. David Stearns knows what he's doing. You really think the Brewers can make a playoff push with this rotation? I like Yoli Shasin, and he has vastly overperformed expectations, but that could that could stop at any time. Maybe Shasin comes back down to earth, and now all of a sudden you are uh, you're out pretty much your only pitcher that I trust going out onto the mound. Chase Anderson has been good, but definitely not without hiccups. Not the Chase Anderson of last year. Junior Guerra has been good at spots, but n- not a world beater to use uh, to use the same language again. Brent Suter's hurt. Zach Davies is hurt. Jimmy Nelson is hurt. I'm just not in love with this rotation as a whole. We could find a place for a guy like Matt Harvey. And that's what I want to get into coming up here. And I want to get your opinion on this as well. If you would be so kind to chime in. Why do you guys continue? And I'm guilty of this sometimes too. Why do we continue to blindly, blindly and without purpose, defend David Stearns no matter what he does? Every move that he has made, or lack thereof, has been met with nothing but in Stearns we trust. Stearns knows best. He knows what he's doing. He has a plan. You know, it's it's possible that David Stearns just couldn't make the deal he really wanted to make. David Stearns couldn't get it done. And that's fine. It happens. It happens to all GMs. But but we don't need to, to stack up as Brewers fans waving flags of support for David Stearns because it gets obnoxious. And to be completely honest, I think it's pretty disingenuine. Stearns knows best. He knows what he's doing. This wasn't even Stern's decision. It comes comes out today that the Reds' owner says, you know what, we didn't want to part ways with Matt Harvey. David Stern's didn't walk away from the table saying, don't want him, we're walking away, you can keep him. It was not David Stern's decision. So to say that Stern's knows best or Stern's has a plan, we trust Stern's, well, first of all, really wasn't his doing. Really would have liked Matt Harvey. I've kind of heard it from both sides. People that would love Matt Harvey. People that hated it. I know he hasn't been great, but you know who wasn't great either? Cole Hamels. And now he's on the Chicago Cubs. Have you seen what he's been able to do the last couple starts? Have you, have you seen? Here, well, here it is. He's been 5-0 and in his starts since August 5th. 
giving up only three earned runs in those five starts. Cole Hamels has been fantastic. He threw a complete game the other day. He's been great. And we all kind of had that same that same take on Cole Hamels, remember? Well, he's not a world beater. He's nothing amazing. Is he really better than Yoli Shasin and Chase Anderson and Zach Davies and Brent Suter at the time? Is he really better than those guys? Well, you get a guy, put him in a change of scenery, put him in a contending clubhouse, you never know what can happen. You never know. And I think that's what's the problem with, uh, with the Brewers' lack of making a move to get a pitcher. When there's not a great option out there, there wasn't a great option out there for Stearns to get a shortstop or a second baseman. He got a third baseman. He got Jonathan Scope, and he made it work. Why can't we do that with a pitcher? I just don't get it. I want to talk to David Stearns and about his decision-making coming up next. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talk and text line. 608-796-2558. Look, the work week is over. We're into the weekend. Pick up the phone. Be a part of the show. It'll be a good time. I want to get some thoughts from you if you wouldn't mind. Please participating. I'm your host, Grant Bills. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show. More Brewers Talk coming up next right here on WKTY 580 AM, 96.7 FM. Wisco Sports Show rolls on. I'm your host, Grant Bills. You're listening to WKTY. Happy Friday. Thanks for joining in, hanging out for a little while. If you want to get in on the show, share your opinion. And I would love nothing more. 608-796-2558 is the number to do so. A quick text. Or a call. You can do either one. I'd love to have a discussion with you. You can also get to us on Twitter at WKTY at Keystroker Grant. Both good ways to contact the show. We're talking Brewers, especially David Stearns. We were talking Craig Council earlier in the week, and now we have a chance to kind of break down what David Stearns has been doing. He spoke earlier with the media, and I don't have sound bites, and I'm not going to read verbatim quotes because that gets real long and really boring. But I do want to share some of the good tidbits that came out of that uh, that little impromptu press conference earlier. Talking everything from Corey Knable being demoted to Zach Davies and, and where he is in his process. So we'll talk about that coming up in a little bit. I want to wrap up in a nice little bow, or at least the nicest bow we possibly can. The failed attempt to bring in Matt Harvey. And I know some of you some of you Brewers fans, I'm, I'm on Twitter, and or I'm listening to Bill Michaels, and I'm, and I'm listening to reactions. Matt Harvey, you know, awful personality, locker room cancer. He's washed up. He'll hurt the Brewers' chances. We don't need him in our rotation. Who are you going to take out of the rotation? And and that's that's the argument that starts to get me. I don't care who we take out of the rotation. We'll take out the worst pitcher at the time. If the Cubs, with their rotation right now, were offered Max Scherzer at a good price, Cubs fans aren't going to say, oh, well, who are we going to take out? Where's he going to go? We can find a place. I'll tell you where he can go. Not that hard. Not that hard. But, you know, we see guys like like Lance Lynn, Matt Harvey, Cole Hamels, J.A. Happ, these so-called pitchers who aren't world beaters. They're not amazing. They're not an upgrade. And they've gone to places, and, and, and those teams have taken flyers and said, look, we'll bring you in. We'll try to get you pitching as well as you can. Maybe a change of scenery will help, a contending locker room, some pressure from uh, for a playoff race. And you never know what can happen. Said the same thing about Justin Verlander last year, who, if you remember, and I'm sure you do, was claimed this time of year. It wasn't a, a waiver uh, or a trade deadline acquisition. It wasn't a hot button guy. It was a guy who was placed on waivers late in the year. And the Astros said, well, we don't really know what we're going to do with him, where we're going to put him, but man, we could use an arm. Let's bring him in. Not that hard. Not that hard to just bring in a guy. 
and see uh, and see what happens. Especially on waivers, you're not going to have to give up a whole lot. Stearns knows best. Stearns knows what he's doing. I've had it just about up to here. Can't see my hand. It's way above my head with the uh, with the unbreakable Stearns backing. And I know I talked to a couple people today who who as well feel the same way. Brewers continue their series against uh, or start a series rather against Pittsburgh this weekend. All that action you can hear on WKTY, except for tonight. It'll be over on WIZM because the Packers will be here. You can listen to that as well. We'll run down the uh, the lineups and the probables later on in the show when we get there. Coming up, I also want to talk about big Packers preseason matchups. Not matchups, but uh, players to watch tonight as it is. It is the third preseason game, which is some would say the most important, although the Packers don't look to be valuing this game as the most important. We'll talk about that coming up. And then to wrap up the show, a couple random things, including an update on Quintez Cephas and everything going on in that situation. We don't necessarily have breaking news, but a couple details. A couple details that maybe you're interested in. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talk and text line. I know we got some Brewers fans out there, and I know you got an opinion. Brewers just missed out on the opportunity uh, to bring in Matt Harvey, although the, the, the decision, ultimately, it sounds like, came from the ownership of the Reds not from the inability of Stearns to offer enough to trade, uh, to offer up enough in a trade package to the Reds, or for the Reds just saying, you know what, we're going to hold on to him. It was the owner who said, I don't, I want him in the organization. He's a good arm. And I, I agree. Matt Harvey, if you remember correctly, when he was in New York, was a world beater pitcher. He was a superstar pitcher. That may not have lasted very long, but I mean, how many times have we seen that in this league? Pitchers have a good stretch and then never return to form. Not the best personality, didn't want to take a didn't want to take a minor league assignment so he's got a little bit of an ego but I think if if you bring him in off waivers which I would imagine has to be humbling if you're going to get traded number 1 that's got to be humbling number 2 if you're not traded at the important trade deadline and instead you're placed on revocable waivers it's got to be a little bit of a kick to the kick to the ego as well he's a guy with good stuff I will absolutely bring him in and for all of you who are uh who are posting these stats and and beating me over the head with numbers not me directly but beating Twitter over the head with numbers saying this is his ERA in his last five starts, yada, yada, yada. Why would you, why would you want to bring a guy like this into the Brewers rotation? Why will this help? I don't know. Maybe because Chase Anderson hasn't looked great. Junior Guerra has, hasn't exactly looked amazing. Like the opening day starter he was last year. Yoli Shasin has looked good, but we don't have much behind him. I just, man, oh man. Freddie Peralta had a great start the other day, but he has been inconsistent. He struggled with control, especially struggled in the first inning. You're in the playoffs against a good team. Let's say the Brewers make it into a one-game wild card. And I'm saying just for an example, because they wouldn't start Freddie Peralta game one, but just hang with me on a hypothetical for a second. You start Freddie Peralta, and he puts you in a situation where you're down 0-4 to in the first inning, before the game, basically before the game's even started. Can you really afford to have that happen? I'm not saying they bump Freddie Peralta out of the rotation. I'm just saying, I don't think this Brewers rotation is as tight and neat and good and ready to go for a playoff run as some of you seem to think. Because if you're saying a pass on Matt Harvey and a pass on Cole Hamels and all these guys, I don't think you get it. I don't think you've been paying attention. I can live with the ERA that Matt Harvey has had in Cincinnati. I can deal with that. Because as we've as we've seen, things change. Look at Cole Hamels. Been great at Wrigley. Daniel Murphy's been great at Wrigley. Adams is back in uh, St. Louis. People add players. It's great to have confidence in your farm system and the players you have currently. But even there was an anonymous brewer last week who was saying, does the front office really have our back? You know, sometimes it's frustrating. We're trying to win. Are they trying to win as bad as we are? 
Just what I see. Just calling it like I see it. A couple of things that we took away from the David Stearns presser today. It wasn't a, a fancy setup press conference. It was done in the dugout. Um, most of the, the quotes and the bits that I've seen have been from Tom Hodricord or the Journal Sentinel, Adam McAlvey, the Brewers beat writer, and Sophia Menard looked like she was there as well. Interesting stuff about Zach Davies, who I think most of us thought was a foregone conclusion. He wasn't going to pitch again for the Brewers this year. And this was David Stern's direct quote. Our anticipation is that Zach will make starts for us in September. David Stern suggested also that the Brewers plan to play matchups from series to series rather than use a set rotation. Think about that for a sec. If they're planning to play matchups or maybe do a bullpen spot start, that starting rotation isn't that good. Maybe they could use a Matt Harvey. All I'm saying. All right, I'll stop. I'll stop being obnoxious. A couple other things. Joaquin Soria has rejoined the team, and Corey Knable has gone back down uh, to the minor leagues. Kind of kind of shocking. His stuff wasn't great, but, I mean, you don't expect an all-star closer to be sent down to the minors just a year later. Uh, this is what Stearns had to say about optioning Knable to AAA. This isn't really a demotion. It is a break. Allow him some time to really work on some things in the bullpen sessions. Says Knable will throw some pens with Derek Johnson and Lee Tunnel before joining the Sky Sox. And he actually made a couple really interesting points. I saw some video, it was about a minute and a half, two minutes long, about Stearns explaining not only the, the, the logistics of the move with Corey Knable, but the reasoning behind the move. And it actually makes perfect sense. If a starting pitcher is struggling, let's take Freddie Peralta, for example. If he has a bad start, he now has four, five days, depending on what kind of rotation the Brewers are dealing with to work with pitching coaches, to throw a session or two, to get out in the bullpen and throw pitches and, and, and work off on his days on his days off, work out on his days off. Bullpen pitchers really don't have that luxury. And, and David Stearns kind of brought that to light in his presser, and that's something I never really thought about. If Joaquin Soria has a bad outing, he can't, he can't take the next day off to work on his curveball, to work on his mechanics with a pitching coach, Lee Tunnel or Derek Johnson, because he might have to pitch the next day. Starting pitchers, you have a very, very easy to work with set schedule. You know the next time you're going to be pitching. You probably even know where and who you're pitching against. As a bullpen arm, you don't really have that luxury. And therefore, if you're going to give Corey Knable a set number of days off, saying, okay, Corey, we're going to give you until next Wednesday off to work on your stuff because you don't have that that luxury as long as, uh, as, long as you're an active member of the bullpen. Well, if you're just giving him a week off, you might as well send him down to the minors. So it actually makes quite a bit of sense. Joaquin Soria earlier today was reinstated from the 10-day disabled list. Right-handed pitcher Zach Davies reinstated from the 10-day DL and option to uh, to Class A Timber Rat- the Timber Rattlers, Class A Wisconsin, so he'll be in-state. And Corey Knable has been optioned to the Cyscox. For some of you might have seen that Keon Broxton was optioned down after actually having some good action on the Brewers' live roster, uh, both hitting the ball, running the bases, playing defense. He can give you some energy. I'm not, I'm not denying that. He was sent down supposedly just until they can expand the rosters to 40 men coming up here in just a couple of days, he was optioned to Class A Wisconsin with the Timber Rattlers. And that that was a little odd, because normally if you're just bouncing down one level, you would go to AAA or Biloxi, the Shuckers, somewhere in there. And he was optioned to Single A, and that kind of drew some eyes. Well, Keon Broxton's girlfriend is expecting, and he wanted to be nearby uh, for that. So nothing nothing really of note uh, with Keon Broxton, I can imagine he'll be back up when the 40-man roster expands. Coming up later on the Wisco Sports Show with me, your host, Grant Bills, we will get into the Brewers lineup for tonight. couple of changes. People moving up and down the lineup. Not a whole lot of uh, guys being swapped in and out, but some changes. 
up and down the deadline. Jeremy Insconi chimes in on Twitter. Strange time to get all excited about not getting a pitcher when he's in decline and it was out of Stern's hands. Look, I agree that it was out of Stern's hands. But this hasn't been the only move that Stern's has opted not to make. In this case, he, it, it was out of his hands, which is what I said earlier, which is why the, the, the defense and the reasoning for David Stern's not making this move is illogical. It makes no sense to look at this move and say, we believe in Stern's. Stern's knows best. It wasn't his choice. I agree. I'm not necessarily mad at David Stearns for this move. I'm, I'm just mad at a whole as a whole that they didn't get Matt Harvey and that this pitching staff, which now has been exposed even more since the uh, since the loss of Brent Suter a while back. It needs arms and he hasn't been able to get arms one way or another. Matt Harvey, not an isolated incident, but a good incident to to have of note when it comes to absolutely blind and illogical David Stearns defense. Thanks for the tweet, Jeremy. Don't be a stranger. Anytime. 608-796-2558. Send me a text on the five-star telecom talking text line if you want to get in. We are going to move on to a little bit of Packers chatter coming up next. And some odds and ends at the end of the show, including the roster rundown. Also, an update or two, a detail or two on Quintez Cephas that I thought I'd pass along before we uh, say goodbye for the weekend. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show. A lot more coming up next with me, your host, Grant Bills, on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on. Wrapping up the Brewers talk. I, I just... I'm making myself sweat here talking about and thinking about the lack of starting pitching on this Brewers team. Do not get me wrong. I like Yoli Chassin. I like Chase Anderson. I think he is a pretty good pitcher. I like Junior Guerra. I think what they found in him after a lot of people thinking he was done after last year and early this year has been great. But I don't want to ride with that crew into the playoffs or in an attempt to get into the playoffs. Yeah, I think Matt Harvey would have been a nice addition. I know it was out of Stern's hands. But things that were in Stern's hands, Cole Hamels is out there, Lance Lynn, J.A. Happ. I know Chris Archer demanded an absolute fortune. He was out there as well. So don't act like I'm just a a volcano blowing up over this one incident. This this has been a problem for a while now for the Brewers, especially after Brent Suter got hurt. So we got to wrap that up. I got to move on. Packers preseason football. I never thought I'd be so excited to talk preseason football. Um, and leave another topic to get to this. My gosh, a, a big night tonight for a lot of players, but not in the conventional sense. Typically, especially under Mike McCarthy, and I think under most NFL coaches, I, I try not to watch too much preseason football, drive myself crazy. But I think the third preseason game is typically where you see the most run out of your starters. Starting quarterback maybe plays a quarter, quarter and a half, maybe full half, depending on who it is. See, you're starting offensive line, your wide receivers, because you want to build some chemistry. You want to make some progress. Tonight for the Packers, from what we know so far, is not going to be that way. Rodgers apparently not going to play. Most of the starting offensive line isn't going to play. I don't think their their leading wide receivers are going to play. Ty Montgomery's a captain tonight, if that gives you any indication of maybe who is not active and not uh, not going to play. Game gets started just after 9 o'clock here on WKTY. And that's where you can hear the action. Pre-game will get, get started just a, about an hour after this program finishes up. So if you want to stay up late, check out the Packers action. A lot of matchups and a lot of position groups are going to be very important to watch tonight. I want to get into that. If you have a specific player, specific position, you want to key on, you want to pay attention to, give me a call, 608-796-2558, or just text me with a name, and we can talk about it like that as well. Easier. I want to start with Brett Hundley and Deshaun Kaiser. 
This is an intriguing position and an intriguing back and forth between the two of them, but not in the conventional sense. I think, and I think the the understanding is that they're going to keep three quarterbacks, that they're going to keep both Hundley and Kaiser. So I don't really picture these two guys as competing against each other to make a roster spot. I think if Aaron Rodgers goes down early in the season, I'm talking like week one through five, week one through six, so the first third of the season about, I think they go with Hundley if it's going to be an extended period of time. Somebody's got to start a game. Somebody's got to play half a football. I think it's going to be Brett Hundley. More familiar with the system. For better or for worse, has starting experience after last year. We all know who that, how that went, but it's better than no experience. Knows the players, has chemistry with guys like Devontae Adams. I think they're going to go with Brett Hundley. If Aaron Rodgers gets hurt in the second half of the year and one of these backups is forced into action, I think they go with Deshaun Kaiser. Because I think ultimately, if they were that high on Brett Hundley, regardless of what happened last year, they wouldn't have made that trade. Obviously, Deshaun Kaiser is here for a reason. You don't trade a first-round pick for a guy who's going to ride the bench and play third-string quarterback. I just don't see it. So I think ideally, the Packers want to eventually convert Deshaun Kaiser to that second-string quarterback, keep Brett Hundley probably around for this year. Maybe they find a trade partner. I I wouldn't hold my breath. Maybe a conditional seventh-round, sixth-round pick, something like that. And then I think at the end of this year, that's probably it for Brett Hundley and Deshaun Kaiser becomes the full-time backup. But early on in the season, I think Brett Hundley is a valuable piece, and I think keeping three quarterbacks is something that the Packers probably are planning on doing. So if you're trying to get yourself hyped up to watch Packers preseason football to see a position battle between Hundley and Kaiser, I'd take a deep breath. I think they're both going to make this team, and I think most people covering the Packers, talking about the Packers, reading about the Packers, believe the exact same thing. Deshaun Kaiser, bigger, stronger, more athletic. Brett Hundley has experience, knows the system. We got to get Mike McCarthy in here to pound the table. We got three years invested in Brett Hundley. Knows the system in and out. That's nice. But at some point, Kaiser's going to pick up on the system as well. And they brought him in for a reason. Both are going to make the roster. I would bet a little money on that if I had to. And I don't think that battle means a whole lot. Now for Tim Boyle, he's kind of in a rough, he's kind of in a rough spot. I think no matter how good he plays, I don't think he's making this roster. Might make the practice squad. Good practice squad guy. Maybe he plays so well that another team becomes interested and he does not float all the way to the practice squad. But poor Tim Boyle, right? Really competing for a job that isn't to be had. Quarterback position isn't super intriguing, but I am always excited to see how Brett Hundley plays. I don't know why. And I like watching Deshaun Kaiser as well. Because I like to see what they what they traded for. What's the bill of goods that they, that they traded for? The three Wookiee wide receivers are... They need to do something tonight. And I know everybody's talking about Valdez Scantling after the last couple of games. He did look great. D'Angelo Yancey is also in that group. I think the biggest night to be had is going to be for Jamon Moore. Jamon Moore. He's got to have a big game. He's big. He's athletic. He has all the tangibles. But he just hasn't shown the ability to catch the ball. He's given up on routes. He just hasn't looked great. If he had a killer preseason game tonight and I think flashed and showed everybody why it was exactly that Jamon Moore was the first wide receiver drafted by Gutekinst and company in this last draft, then I think he makes this roster. I think it's a it's a difficult path for Jamon Moore to not make this roster, although I can see it happening. If he has another dumpy game where he really doesn't show anything at all, I can see it for sure. He needs a big game tonight, and I'm definitely going to be keying in on Jamon Moore. I think Valdez Scantling is probably in the best position just because of what he showed in the last game. 
Equinemia St. Brown is very athletic as well. We've seen some good things from him. D'Angelo Yancey has shown flashes. Trevor Davis might be in a tough spot. He's good on special teams. At least Ron Zook seems to think so. And I think he'll go to bat for his wide receiver in terms of, I want him here. Brian, I want you to keep Trevor Davis here for special teams purposes. I don't know if that's going to be enough. But I think he will go to bat for Trevor Davis, third-year guy. I don't think he's going to make the roster, personally. I think they'll keep D'Angelo Yancey if they're going to keep an oddball wide receiver to play special teams. Jay Kumaro and his his shoulder really is what complicates this whole situation. Because I think what we saw from Jay Kumaro and the path that he was on looked like he was a lock for the 53. So tonight, if you're keying in on any position group, I'd pick the wide receivers. Because I think that's where the most impact is going to be had. You can watch Hunley and Kaiser, and it might be fun. You can watch Josh Jackson and Jari Alexander, and that's going to be fun. I'm excited to see what they do. But in terms of real roster implications, the three rookie wide receivers, St. Brown, Moore, Valdez Scantling, pair those with the competing wide receivers of D'Angelo Yancey, who's a bit of an incumbent, Trevor Davis, who's definitely an incumbent, and then the undrafted wild card, which is Jake Kumaro, who looked superb, looked great, crisp route running, great hands, right place, right time. Aaron Rodgers obviously loves him. But then he gets hurt. A lot, a lot of factors in play for those for those five guys that I just mentioned. Six guys. Excuse me. We know Devontae Adams is a lock. Geronimo Allison's a lock. And Randall Cobb is a lock. Those are your three, three wide receivers. So I think it, at least they keep six. At most, they keep seven. There's not room for everybody. Let's key in on the wide receivers tonight. I'm definitely looking forward to that. I want to see Valdez Scantling play well again and build on what he's done, and Jamon Moore just simply to catch the ball because he's been right place, right time. He has shown the ability to run good routes, which is incredibly important. Shown the ability to do a lot of things, quite frankly. He needs a big game tonight. Vince Beagle, moving on to the defensive side of the ball. Mike Pettin was asked about his outside linebackers and I think kind of indirectly started talking about guys he was real high on. Obviously, Clay Matthews, Nick Perry were your first two mentioned. And then he went on to talk about two guys, Reggie Gilbert, who I think we've all been impressed by, and then Kyler Fackrell. So those are the four guys he mentioned when when talking about his outside linebacker group. He didn't mention Vince Beagle. And I'll take you back to a year ago, a little over a year ago now in the draft, where Packers fans, I think a lot of us, wanted T.J. Watt. I didn't want T.J. Watt just because he was a Wisconsin product. I thought that from what we had seen from J.J., from what I had watched from T.J. at Wisconsin, that maybe there was even more. I mean, this, this, this guy could be a superstar. Because nobody thought J.J. Watt was going to be a superstar. We all thought, good player. I think we probably overvalue him because he played at Wisconsin. Good player. And he turned into just another worldly player. And I thought maybe, you know, T.J. Watt, he's got a little something-something going on. And I think the bill of goods that we were sold by Ted Thompson in his final draft was that you essentially traded T.J. Watt for Kevin King and Vince Beagle. And I think a lot of us at the time, myself included, I think I fell into this, this group as well of saying, I think Vince Beagle's just as good as TJ Watt. I think we're getting the same thing. We're not getting the name recognition, but we're getting the same player, same potential, same athlete. Lower down. We're going to get him in the fourth round and address the cornerback position. And it looks like I could not have been more wrong about that. And I wasn't the only one. Now, they, I think they got the real deal in Kevin King, but Vince Beagle has been... Mr. Invisible in camp this year. He's not getting mentioned. He's not getting in until the third quarter of some of these preseason games. And he was a guy who was supposed to be part of the solution, part of the rebuilding 
of that outside linebacking core in the middle of that defense for Mike Pettin at the time, Dom Capers, and then becoming Mike Pettin's defense. And he has shown absolutely nothing. I think he's going to make the roster regardless. But Kyler Fackrell playing better is not a good sign for anybody because Kyler Fackrell has been kind of the butt of how many jokes for Green Bay Packers fans when talking about the defense now under the control of Mike Pettin. Vince Beagle's got me worried. He was a big piece. I thought he was going to be something big. Let's talk safeties for the Packers, and then we'll move on to our to our final segment. I am worried about the safeties for the Green Bay Packers. Best case scenario, HaHa Clinton Dix bounces back to what he was two years ago when he was a pro bowler and one of the better safeties in the NFC. Kentrell Bryce is a big hitter, a guy who's good in coverage, understands the game really well, which is what I've heard about him. Very good upstairs. Very high IQ player who's in the right place at the right time, and he's shown the ability to be a big hitter. Best case scenario. Josh Jones then picks up the defense a little better. He is more put together in coverage. He seems to have a better grasp on things, and you can bring him down in the box to be a a hitter, another linebacker of sorts on certain packages. With Jake Reinhardt, that could be a big piece of the defense as well. You never know. That's the best case scenario. Let me give you the worst case scenario. Haha, Clinton Dix plays just as bad as last year or regresses further. One or both of Josh Jones and Kentrell Bryce get hurt. You have an injury. Now all of a sudden you're down to a, a, a poor Haha Clinton Dix who seems to be unmotivated on the field. Marwin Evans? I don't know. You tell me. Who's going in in that safety spot? A lot of no-name guys. And one injury? In a position group, you can't have that ruin your defense, and that could be the case. That's why I was excited when George Iloko was released. Eric Reed's still sitting out there. I know a lot of people don't like him for one reason or another. If I was a GM of the Packers, he would have been brought in a month ago, two months ago. Because much like I was saying with David Stearns earlier, where's he going to play? I don't know. We'll find a place because I'm not confident in that group of safeties at all. So I'm looking forward to watching them tonight as well. Hopefully Kentrell Bryce, if he plays, does a little bit better tackling. Josh Jones continues to progress playing in coverage because that's where he's shown uh, the biggest struggle for sure. When we come back, we're going to talk about what's on tap for the Brewers. We'll run down the roster for tonight. And uh, we'll give you an update on Quintez Cephas as well. Because he uh, little a couple details kind of trickling down the wire today. Nothing huge. But some things that should be passed along as well. I'm your host, Grant Bills. If you want to comment on anything, 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talk and text line. You can join in here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show. Final segment of the week coming up. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show. Happy Friday, everybody. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out as we sail into the weekend together. Little Jimmy Buffett with the fins up, paired heads. You've heard me filling in for Dave and Scrady. You know... That I uh I like to dabble in a little Jimmy Buffett, am I right? I'll quit being obnoxious with that. I gotta get some in before the week, before the week is done. Before we head into the weekend, I want to talk about a couple things. Packers preseason game tonight. We just wrapped up talking about that. Urban Meyer just released a second statement, a very uh, a statement in kind of damage control after yesterday's press conference. And if you listen to the show yesterday, my take on it was three-game suspension is fine, but the reaction and the presentation that it was laid out was just piss-poor at best. It was awful. And Ohio State coming under 
some crazy fire the last two days, so Urban Meyer has to put out this statement. I read it. It's good, not great. If Urban Meyer wrote that by himself, I would be absolutely amazed. Because after what we saw the other day, I don't think he's capable of putting two sentences together while being sensitive and thoughtful about this topic. I'll retweet it. You can find it on my Twitter, at Grant. I'm not going to read it. It is quite long. And to be completely honest, I don't believe that he believes it, so I don't really think it needs to be read at all. But if you want to check it out, it's on his personal Twitter that he tweeted. You can check it out. Um, I, I, I don't want to retweet it right now because I want to put a message with it because I don't believe it at all. So I want to put a little disclaimer. So I'll retweet it as soon as the show is done. Uh, we just, like I said, got done running down the Packers. There's your your Urban Meyer update for the day, whether you wanted it or not. I certainly didn't need it. Quintez Cephas, a couple interesting things coming out about him. Nothing huge, no breaking news, but a couple details that maybe you were uh, interested in. I was I was talking to some some coworkers earlier this morning about some details that lawyers have, and they're asking for one of the sexual assault charges to be dismissed completely, 100% completely. Uh, and that is the second, like I said, I'm not a lawyer. I don't pretend to be. Um, a lot of people saying Cephas is innocent, and these are the... The details right here. The motion obtained by the Wisconsin State Journal, which is the article that I'm pulling this from, states that surveillance video at Cephas's apartment shows that the two women not to be intoxicated and that one of the women texted Cephas later in the night after the alleged assaults, asking him to look for his vaping device that she might have left there. She reportedly ended the text with heart and kiss emojis. I'm just passing it along. I'm not saying that this proves or disproves anything. I'm just saying this is what the lawyers have brought forward that they are asking for the second degree sexual assault charge, which is the one that relates to alcohol and intoxication to be dismissed completely. And this is kind of what we thought, right? Talking to some coworkers around the building, Mitch Reynolds over in WIZM. There's got to be cameras somewhere. And it doesn't take much video wise to be able to say that person's intoxicated to the point where they couldn't consent to sexual action, right? I mean, you can tell. I go to UWL. I see drunk people all the time. It's not hard. You don't have to be a scientist. So as they continue to build a defense case, I'm sure the prosecutors will do the exact same thing and we'll see where it goes. Um, luckily, for the Badgers, Paul Christ and the athletic uh, the athletic director, Barry Alvarez, isn't being wheeled out to uh, to give off some some halfway statement that they don't believe in about this and they're just letting the the investigation roll course because that really was poor. And I think... Wisconsin right now is doing a good job if this goes any farther and uh, and if a suspension or expulsion, because if I mean, if these charges all fall through and he's convicted, I mean, he's, he's going to prison. So it, it doesn't really become a football issue at that point. God, please don't let them do some awful press conference like Ohio State did the other day. That's all I ask. So those are the new the new details that we have surveillance video. Not that I have seen physically, but it's been made available to the prosecution and the defense that shows that they are not intoxicated or that they weren't intoxicated to the point where they could not walk straight or carry themselves in a normal manner and that there were text messages exchanged between one of the um, alleders and Quintez Cephas that included romantic emojis, hearts, kissy faces, stuff like that. Isn't it lame and kind of awkward that in a, in a case as serious as this that those are the things we cite now? 2018 for sure. Let's, uh, let's wrap up the show today by going over the Brewers lineup. They take on the Pittsburgh Pirates tonight. They open a three-game set, and it's big. I mean, we're running out of games for the Brewers. they got to win these games. 
probably the most obvious statement I've had today. They have a first pitch at 710 tonight, which means pregame starts at 635. You can hear that on our sister station, WIZM, 1410 AM, 92.3 FM, our news talk station. Mitch Reynolds over there in his program wraps up in about five minutes, just like I do. There'll be an hour of talk and then the, uh, or half hour before the Brewers get underway because the Packers will be over here. You can check out the Packer game tonight. Uh, Pittsburgh, 710 first pitch. Here's your lineup for the 71 and 50 Milwaukee Brewers. In center field, hitting leadoff, switching things up just a little bit, Lorenzo Kane. Right field, we have Christian Yelich batting second, which means, as you guessed it, Ryan Braun will be in the game as well. Jesus Aguilar at first base. He's hitting in that uh, that traditional three spot where we've seen him all season. Travis Shaw back in the cleanup role, starting at second base. Ryan Braun in left field, hitting fifth. Moustakis getting bumped all the way to sixth. He is still in at third base. He's still playing third base, but moving significantly farther down the lineup than we've seen him in the last couple of games and in the last series or two. Eric Kratz starting behind the plate. Surprising to me. I think if you were to tol- tell me three weeks ago that Manny Pena would be back healthy and Eric Kratz would be playing as much as he would, that's a good thing. I think the the, Packer, or the Brewers excuse me, have actually started to get production out of Eric Kratz, which has given them flexibility uh, to play both guys, which is good. Orlando Arcia gets the shart, the the shart, the start at shortstop. Gosh, that's a mistake you don't want to make. Orlando Ar- Arcia is sharting at shortstop tonight, and Wade Miley on the mound and hitting ninth to round out your order. So there you go. Wade Miley toes the rubber tonight for the Pittsburgh, or against the Pittsburgh Pirates, excuse me, as the Brewers start a three-game set. We're coming down to the wire. Not a lot of whole games, not a lot of games left, and the Brewers. Currently okay in the wild card spot, but very tight. And with the Cubs walking it off today, not getting any easier in the division as well. The Cardinals continue to play well too, so that's not making it any easier. Thanks for tuning in today. Another great show. I'm having an absolute blast. It was a good first week. Thanks for bearing with me. Those who have texted in, called in, tweeted in, I appreciate your uh, your interaction and I look forward to building that, getting to know you and making you guys and others a part of the show as we continue on as well. As the fall progresses, we're going to be adding some new, unique uh, programming to WKTY as well. My show will not air on Wednesdays because we will have Eye on the Eagle's Nest with David Scrady and Mike Schmidt, coach of the UWL Eagles. That'll be on Wednesdays. You can find that here. So I will have Wednesdays off, which honestly, not super mad about. Nice to have a day off in the middle of the week. Cannot complain, although I love doing this. And then on Fridays, we might be picking up some Badger programming as well. So stay tuned. I'll tell you more when we know it. This has been a blast, and I certainly appreciate you guys tuning in and making this show possible. Next week, we'll get into the Brewers and how they handle the Pittsburgh Pirates this weekend. And I'm sure we will update ourselves on where they sit in the wildcard race, where they sit in the division, and what what they're going to have to do going forward to make, hopefully the postseason for the first time since 2011. We'll also break down the Packers preseason action tonight. Like I said, most of the starters aren't going to play, but I'm sure there will still be stuff to talk about. Receiving core, a couple defensive uh, position groups need to be aligned, and we'll learn more about those as well. So keep that in mind as you watch the Packer game tonight. Also, we follow this Quintez Cephas situation as it rolls on. And finally, next week, we'll be Badger game week. We'll have college football to talk about and to think about coming up just a week from tomorrow. Also, make sure you're tuning in here on WKTY tomorrow. Pacelli and Aquinas tomorrow afternoon. Right here, you can listen 580 AM, 96.7 FM. Stream live at WKTYsports.com and listen on Facebook and watch on Facebook as well. That's going to do it for me. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. This has been the first week of the Wisco Sports Show. I'll talk to you Monday.